Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, hey love, what's the story? Ah, oh, there you are now. What's the crack? Tell me this and tell me no more. Oh, stop waiting, I tell you. I have a bone to pick with you. I'm doing a line with her. Relax the cocks. Come back when I like. It's Baltic. Well, hello there. Welcome back to another episode of Tis Yourself. And this is me, your host, Nicola Barden, here with you for the next little while with a f- another fabulous, fabulous guest to talk about their lives, their careers, and maybe break down some ideas of what you thought you knew about them, or maybe to, I suppose, educate you in a way. I don't know. We're, everyone takes something different from every episode. So I'm really happy to have you here today. Now, this guest... Wowza. <laughs> sometimes, um, if you're a fellow podcaster, you'll know, sometimes you'll get a guest and you'll go, is this real? Am I actually chatting to this person or am I going to log on and it'll be somebody completely different? Because that has happened to me before. I thought I was interviewing somebody with the same first name and then the person logged on was not that person and just had to wing it. Someday maybe I'll reveal who that is. <laughs> today I definitely knew who this person was I just couldn't believe I was getting the chance to chat to her so let's go back in time it's 2020 we're just after being told you're going to be in your house in lockdown for a couple of weeks Leo was telling us that here in Ireland different uh, you know in the UK it was, someone, it was Theresa May you know in the US is different but here in Ireland Leo Varadkar was telling us it'll only be a couple of weeks just work from home etc and little did we know what was ahead of us we all started enjoying having a little bit of a lie-in, not having to commute for a while, and we all started watching a lot of TV. And what show came out a couple of days after lockdown? Netflix, Tiger King. And yeah, it it, it was uh, it was it was one to watch. <laughs> um, it made uh, names out of Joe Exotic who you know everybody knows now and we know his mullet and we know his crazy antics and all the stuff he was up to and they made a name out of Carol Baskin uh, there were songs about her there was you know accusations about her accusing her of murder mainly by Joe Exotic <laughs> um, lots and lots of stuff that kind of shied away from the actual animal abuses that you were seeing on the show because there was so much drama going on with the humans that maybe you missed some of the abuses and it's only kind of looking since since Joe has gone to prison and you know a lot of other stuff have happened that maybe you know you kind of go oh actually he was really abusing those big cats or you know the people involved were abusing animals and stuff like that it was like an eye-opening one for me I'm a massive animal advocate and um, I really couldn't believe you know that you were able to pet cub like tiger cubs in shopping malls and like animals were being killed giant cats were being killed uh, like lions people keeping them as pets and tigers and ugh, it was just awful um, and of course what happened to Carol was you know she got death threats people accused her of abusing the animals 
they accuse her of murder and so much more and like all the while she had been as you'll hear now is she had been told that she was doing a documentary on um, on the abuse of animals and how it was going to highlight the industry well a couple of months ago just in recent weeks in the US they passed a bill over there which has been called the Big Cat Public Safety Act which means that if you live in America you can no longer have a lynx or a jaguar or a tiger or a you know lion like I'm not sure why you'd have any of these things but you cannot raise them as your pet seems pretty normal pretty standard you would assume that would have already been a thing but anyway it's taken over 25 years for Carol and other activists to get it passed in the US and now it's huge it's becoming this thing that we're going to see are these is there going to be an influx of you know animals who have been kept in captivity um, in people's homes are they going to be given because they have to be given up to enter sanctuaries um, they can, can't be released back into the wild obviously because they've been kept by humans but they can also there are danger to humans so yeah it's, it's a lot of a lot of stuff um, going on so I got the chance to chat to Carol Miss Carol Baskin um, it's hard to say her name when I'm doing the you know the Joe Exotic voice I have to say um, and she told me all about how it came about this bill how long it took what Tiger King meant for her and her family and why she wishes more people watch Tiger King 2 and therefore if they did they'd probably stop calling her a murderer so stay tuned enjoy I hope you really like this episode and if you do I'd love you to send me a little message or leave a little review or a rating and make sure you follow us because we have loads of great episodes coming up so here it is my chat on Tis Yourself with Miss Carol Baskin Good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Well, listen, I have so much to chat to you about because I find everything that you do so fascinating. So I'm going to get cracking straight away. I always kind of ask people, like going back to the start, obviously what you do is incredible with, you know, big cats and stuff. How, like, where did that come about that you, this love for animals? You know, was it a kid? You had a kitten? How did it happen? Recently, People Magazine asked me for some photos of myself when I was younger, and I got a photo album from my mother and pulled the f- pictures out of the album for the first time. It was the old type where they stick to the page. Oh, yeah. And the very first photograph of me being brought home from the hospital and being held by my parents, my mom's holding me and my dad's holding a cat. And on the back of that picture, it was a, a tabby cat, a ginger tabby cat. And on the back, it said that the cat's name was Tiger. And it was like, well, that was ordained from the beginning, wasn't it? <laughs> wow. Someone really set your path in life early. <laughs> <laughs> had no idea all these years. Oh, my God. So, like, w- animals were around a lot then when you were little. Yeah, I was always the one that would seem to find the animals who had been hit by cars or shot by hunters or uh, injured in some way, and I would drag them home and take care of them. And so that led me into doing bobcat rehab and release. Bobcats are native here in Florida and in West Virginia, where I was living. And um I, I loved being able to give them that second chance to go free. And so it was because of that experience I had with wild bobcats and being able to set them free that when I ran in, in 1992, when I ran into a bobcat being sold at an auction to people as 
a pet. Um, I leaned over to the guy next to me and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said he was a taxidermist and that he was just going to club her in the head in the parking lot and make a den decoration out of her. Oh, my God. That same response and started crying and my husband started bidding and we probably paid more for that bobcat than anybody's ever paid for a bobcat, but she wasn't going to get clubbed in the head. Unfortunately, she had been born in captivity and declawed and raised by people. So all of those were things that made it impossible for her to be released. And she was a unholy terror, as you might imagine. And so we were trying to find somebody she could grow up with that she wouldn't kill. She was terrorizing our German shepherd. And a guy said he would sell us a kitten, but we had to come in person. And so in 1993, we drove to La Center, Minnesota, and the guy had 56 bobcats, Canada lynx, and Siberian lynx that he was selling. And I said, is there this big of a market for these as pets? And he said, oh, no, whatever we don't sell as pets, we'll slaughter next year for their fur. It was a fur farm. And so we came home with 56 bobcats, Siberian lynx, and Canadian lynx that day. And that led us to going back the next year and getting 28 of the adults so that we got all the cats off the fur farm. And the following year, 22 off of another fur farm. And the following year, a dozen off of Canadian fur farms. And we'd gotten all the cats out of all the fur farms in the United States and were working on Canada when I lost my husband in 97. But by then, people were calling and saying, would you take my lion? Would you take my tiger? And I stupidly thought at every juncture, well, I can fix this. (laughs) I had no idea it would take this long to fix this. It's incredible to think that somebody can think that they could have a lion in their house and it's going to be like your pet dog, your pet cat. That just doesn't, it just seems ridiculous. It's like, have they never seen an adult lion? And maybe that's it. You know, at the zoos, you're so far across a moat that you don't realize the, the size and the power of that animal. So I think we've all become kind of, Disneyfied in the way that we think about these animals and don't give them the credit they're due for being the apex killers they are. Yeah, because, you know, if you're in Africa and you come across a lion, it's not going to be like, let me scratch you under the chin or, you know, I can't pet you. It's you're dead. And people who live around big cats, they never try to make pets out of them. They know better. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, you're not hearing of like, you know, somewhere in, I like, again, in Africa where they are native and nobody's saying, yeah, they just live down on the land with the horses, you know? Never. <laughs> it's insane. Well, so that really kind of just by chance, you kind of ended up in this, you know, rescue bid because I suppose like a lot of sane people, you just couldn't imagine someone hurting these animals. Yeah, and I was really naive in that I thought it would be so much easier to change the laws and to make these kinds of things illegal. I had no idea that it would be 25 years of trying to change the laws that would finally culminate in our recent success in the Big Cat Public Safety Act. But man, I mean, it just... And I'm sure people in other countries, people in Ireland like yourself, where you do not have this problem... You've got to be looking at this and thinking, how on earth did that even happen? How are those people that stupid? And I have no excuse for us. (laughs) There's a lot of things people look at some American things and go, why is this happening over there? And it just keeps happening. Yeah. It's insane, but it's it's so good that you didn't just stop, I suppose, in the <clears throat> the campaign of making this illegal because I'm sure twenty five years is a long time. You go through a lot personally, professionally, and to go through all that and not be given any light until such a long time away. 
like there's so many times you must have wanted to be like, this is never going to happen. I'm just going to have to park it. Yeah, there's a great book called Three Feet from Gold. And I, I remind myself of that every single time I wanted to give up. It's like, just remember, Carol, you're only three feet from gold. <laughs> just keep going. And it, it was hard. I mean, even in this past year in July, when it passed the House, we just were making no progress in the Senate and didn't have any prospects of making any progress in the Senate. And so it looked like it was going to be another failure on top of years after years after years of failing. And we just persevered and pulled out all the stops and were thrilled that it finally made it through. Yeah, it's an amazing achievement after so much, like a lifetime of work to the fact that the government in America have now made it legal that you cannot own these like big cats. Like me and you know that there's, you shouldn't be owning these big cats. Like who needs a lynx? Who needs a jaguar? Like I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I think that frequently they, the, well, if you think about the kind of people who have those big cats, mm. They are not intelligent people. These are not rocket scientists. These are people who are barely able to even keep their own kids fed and clothed. And yet they're bringing home a predator that's going to cost $10,000 a year just in food and vet care if you're taking care of the animal properly. And so as soon as that animal is a couple hundred pounds and they can't show off with it anymore, that's when they usually give the animal up. So even though the, the current bill will phase out private ownership, I think within the next few years, most of those cats will no longer be in private hands because they never keep them past adulthood anyway. Yeah. So like when you formed Big Cat Rescue, it obviously came from you you and your husband finding all these animals and then being like, well, we, we can't keep them in the back garden. I assume this is how it kind of all came about. Yeah, we were on five acres where I currently live when we came home with those 56 bobcats and lynx. <laughs> And we started building cages as fast as we could, but we were in real estate for a living. And so we started looking around at, you know, what is a bigger place than this five acres? Because these cats are going to need some space. And we had 40 acres that was only five miles from us. So we started building the cages there. And it was, you know, we started that in 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, and 97 that we're bringing in all of these cats. But it became very clear that the people who were breeding and discarding big cats were able to breed and discard far more cats than we and all of the other sanctuaries put together could rescue. And so we started working on a federal bill and it was, it was weirdly because somebody had approached me back in the nineties and asked if I would use the, um, social support. We didn't have social media back then, but we had an awful lot of people that supported Big Cat Rescue because we had a newsletter and we were always like on the cutting edge of that kind of thing. And so we had about 2000 people that we could reach out to. And they asked if I would help them with a gestation crate bill where they were trying to outlaw these pig crates that are so small, the mother of pigs can't even turn around in them. And we did that and in the state of Florida. And it was like, well, that changed things overnight. You know, one law and it saved all those animals from horrible situations. And so that's when we figured out that, okay, we've, we can't rescue our way out of this. We've got to change the laws. And so we started in 97 or 98, really pushing hard for a federal ban on this. And we got part of that done in 2003. It was called the Captive Wildlife Safety Act. But whenever, I don't know how much lobbying you've done, but Whenever you're trying to get a law passed through Congress, you have to make concessions with the other side. And two of the huge loopholes that they managed to work into the 2003 law was that it still 
allowed for cub petting and it's still allowed for private ownership. And so um, we've been trying since 2003 to close that loophole and finally managed to do that. I couldn't believe I'd never known about this cub petting thing till I watched Tiger King and I was horrified. I was like, I, I've known about, you know, places in maybe like Thailand where they drug big cats and people take photos with them. But that seemed to it definitely seems to have phased out quite a lot. Like that used to be a thing you would see uh, maybe 10 years ago. A lot of people traveling backpackers. Now you kind of don't even see them riding elephants anymore. People are getting very much more aware. But I was like, why would you go to a mall in the middle of I know, Dakota to pet a, like a lion, a little baby lion? I'm like or go to this place that is says it's a sanctuary, but you're allowed to pet them and touch them. And it's not a sanctuary then. Right. Right. If they're breeding these animals, that's not a sanctuary. That's, that's a zoo. It's yeah. a sanctuary. Yeah. It, it blows my mind that people even thought that that would be okay. I, I understand that the people who were pimping out these cubs were lying to their customers and they were saying, you know, these are endangered species and we need to breed lots of them so that we save them from extinction. And you're paying to pet this cub helps us save these animals in the wild. And you know, people want to believe that when they want to do what they want to do, which is pet a cub. And so they wouldn't even think twice about, well, you know, how is this animal in this mall in the Midwest somehow going to end up in the wilds in India or in Siberia or Sumatra? And because they didn't want to see the uh, ugly underbelly, they just turned a blind eye to it. And man, you know, one of the things I think is going to be the best thing about this bill is, and a good thing that has happened since Tiger King is that people, when they find out that I work with big cats, inevitably, the very first thing they do is they whip out their wallet and these dog-eared pictures of them petting a cub to show me how much they love cubs too. And I would just be mortified (laughs) when I would see that and have to tell them, you were part of the problem. You're the reason these animals are suffering. And nobody wanted to hear that. But since Tiger King, nobody's been showing me those kind of photos. And something good that came out of it all. (laughs) Yes. Because I worked with them, I went and worked in Africa for two weeks with an animal sanctuary over there. And their whole um, idea is that if you are, they're trying to release everything back to the wild, if it's possible, you know, you don't touch the animals. If they can, you know, uh, dart them, fix whatever is the problem um, and then release them, you know, maybe in 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 an enclosed area first to make sure they're healthy and then they're out. But you know, what they don't, what they were explaining to us is a lot of those big cats get domesticated like cheetahs very, very easily, but not like a cheetah. It's not going to be a cat. You know, it's not going to be like a little, you know, pussy cat or whatever, a tomcat. It's, it's still a dangerous animal. It's not one you can curl up in your sitting room, but because humans interact with it, it ruins its natural, like a natural ability in the wild. And therefore you cannot release it because it will be killed. Right. And it, it causes problems for other cheetahs. If that cheetah is not afraid of people and it goes into a village and harms a child or takes chickens or whatever that cheetah is going to do because it's not afraid of being around people, people are going to go out and kill the first cheetah they see. And it may not be that cheetah. It may be the wild cheetah who is minding its own business and staying out of town. And that's what happens anytime you have people handling these big cats. They just lose their fear of humans, which is never going to work out well for them. No, no. I've seen a couple of guys on TikTok and, you know, you see this a lot. You probably see this with 
Oh, we work with lions and they jump and they cuddle us and we're lovely together. And, you know, these are lions in the wild. But I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know how somehow this lion trusts you. But you can never guarantee that lion is not going to flip the lid and bite your head off. And usually it's somebody else that they end up hurting. Yeah, that's it. And again, it's because they just don't have that that fear of people that their mothers would teach them from the very earliest months to stay away from people. We do bobcat rehab and release for bobcats that have been injured. We are able to put them back in the wild. But if a bobcat, a 20 pound bobcat runs into you in a national forest, it's not going to kill you. Might kill your chicken, but it's not going to kill you. And Mm -hmm. so we do it all hands off with remote cameras and that sort of thing to make sure that there's as little interaction as possible with them. And how was it with COVID and everything? Because you obviously still have all these animals there. You have to look after them. You have to care for them. But at the same sense, you you know, it's such a scary time for the world. People can't leave their homes and stuff like that. So how did like how did that affect you and, and the animals? Yeah, we had a double impact because on March the 15th of 2020, that's when Florida went into lockdown and we shut our gates and said, nobody comes in this place because, you know, back then nobody knew how this was being transmitted. It was just everybody was catching it. People were dying all over the place. So we were like, we're going to protect our people and not have visitors come onto the property. Five days later, Tiger King came out and that whole realm of craziness that came along with that. And so we're still closed to the public. We have to raise about four and a half million dollars every year to keep the sanctuary running. And over a million of that came from our tours. And we haven't been able to reopen to tours because what we discovered as we learned more about COVID is the cats can catch it and die from it. And so we didn't want to have our cats ended up ending up catching it. And then just this past week, avian flu, bird flu has wiped out a bunch of cats at a zoo in Nebraska. And so I'm like, oh, my God, because <laughs> we have wild flocks of geese and ducks that fly into our lake and are around our cats. And I don't know quite how that is transmitted. So it's a really scary world for the cats. That it, That's amazing. I actually didn't make the connection between how quick Tiger King came out after that, but I suppose it would have been around that time. And you're like, everyone's lockdowns and everyone, no one's, everyone's watching telly. And you're like, really? Does this actually the time that it comes on telly? <laughs> yeah, we... You know, we had worked with those documentarians. <laughs> I'm using that term loosely, but <laughs> five years on a product they called Stolen World. And it was supposed to be about how all these animals are being exploited and taken from the wild and abused. And this is causing their extinction. And so we were happy to participate with them. Um, I have a diary that I release every day, a page from my diary. And I'm up to 2019 right now. And I was just recording yesterday about how we were going through the halls of Congress trying to get our bill passed. And we had this huge uh, film crew of theirs in tow covering all of this. And yet people hardly saw any of that in Tiger King. It turned out to be just a Jerry Springer style free for all freak show and not about the issues. But Man, it's just so much has happened in the past few years. And I felt like Tiger King really, in fact, my husband and I, when we watched it, we couldn't believe that was the show we had been working on. And at the end of it, we sat there and we said, well, that was a missed opportunity. And 
that's all we thought it was until my phone started ringing off the hook with people screaming obscenities about me because I had tigers in cages. And I was like, do you not understand why I have tigers in cages and what I'm trying to do to never see more tigers in cages? Mm. And clearly they did not get that from Tiger King. That's terrifying to me because what I took from it was this person is a madman. And I, maybe as an animal lover, I see... I instantly went to, it shouldn't, you know, yeah, tigers shouldn't be in cages, but you weren't going out there and putting a tiger in a cage for for the banter because you wanted money. It's because you're like, well, it's either they hurt somebody in this house. I'm saving them from, or from, as you said, being clubbed over the head and stolen for their skin. Like that is so awful to me. And yet it, you're right. Like that didn't come across. They They definitely edited it. We didn't know much about this bill that you were working on. It was definitely edited to be like a him versus her, Jerry, as you said, Jerry Springer, like wild argument, which, you know, you obviously I'm assuming you would never sign up for. Yeah, because I've never even spoken to Joe. I mean, he, what? He, he, he never even spoke. <laughs> you, you hear my name on his lips all the time. You would never have heard his name on my lips. I never said anything about him or to him. And the only reason we were involved with him was because I go after all of the animal abusers and I try to make people aware that petting these cubs in the mall is actually causing their extinction. And so all of these people hate that were breeding and using these animals hated me and wanted to silence me any way that they could. But there's no argument for what they do. And so the only thing they could do was be outrageous and claims to try and discredit me so that I couldn't be heard on the real issues. Yeah. And I suppose by distracting away from the good work you're doing, people are always going to look and go, oh, my God, they're saying this, they're saying that. And like that in that mind, they're looking at you as opposed to what these people were doing, the the reading and stuff like that, the selling, the killing the animals for absolutely no reason, that kind of stuff. They're going to go, well, if no one's if everyone's looking at her, they're not looking at me. You know, it's funny that so many of these guys are magicians because the whole thing of magician is don't look at this thing here. Look over here while I amaze you with this. And it's like, that's their tactic. It's it's, it's all the tactic they have is to try and divert attention away from what they're doing. I can't imagine what it's like to be a normal person like yourself who just is, you know, working away, trying to do something good, trying to pass a bill and being told this is going to really help you. And you probably thought it really would help. You know, this is going to get us in front of the government. Social media is going to talk about it, et cetera. And then to sit down one night and see, and as you said, within, I don't know, hours that your life changed completely. Like that's, it's so scary for anyone out there who thinks they're being sold one thing and, the, and something else completely happens. And it really worried me that because of the fact that so many people believed what they saw, they believed I was a murderer. And how am I ever going to be able to walk into a a member of Congress and ask them to consider this bill when all that they can see in their head is, should I be talking to a murderer? And it's Mm -hmm. like, so many people wanted to say that Tiger King was the reason we got this bill passed. And it's like, we got this bill passed in spite of Tiger King. Because of Tiger King. And as you said, like, people have that opinion of you. And no matter if you dangled your ex-husband in front of them, there's still going to people going, mm, yeah, well, you know, because they'll just believe anything. And they'll believe if it's not him, it's somebody else that, you know, because the idea has been planted in their head and this idea. Like, I can't, I'm not married, but I can't imagine what it's like to go to my current husband. Listen, 
they they're claiming I killed my ex-husband and now I have to go do I have to go and try and find him and say listen can you come out and say you're not dead <laughs> in you know, one of the weirdest things about all of this is Tiger King was so popular. And yet when Tiger King 2 came out, they actually apparently found Don and they, well, they didn't find him in person. But what they found was the uh, Department of Homeland Security said that he was alive and well in Costa Rica. Well, the Homeland Security didn't exist until after 9-11 in 2002 was when they were created. So that was five years after I saw Don last that they said he was alive and well down there. And in Tiger King 2, they interviewed the people that he lived with, his driver, um, his attorneys, um, all these people that said, yeah, he's running brothels down there with underage children. And so, you know, I didn't think he had the mental capacity to support himself, but you can do that kind of job without having much of a mental capacity. So I guess that's possible. But so few people saw Tiger King 2 that they don't even realize that that's not even an issue anymore for people to be making those claims that I killed him. And that's uh, really upsetting to me is that because that was a common theme in, in the first season is that this idea of, you know, you, you had killed Don or whatever. If they could find him that well for the second season, why couldn't they have done that in season one? Had an episode that basically, you know, to show like um, we're we're looking at both sides of things. We're looking at Joe's side and we're looking at your side. It would be very easy to go, listen, this is just disputing what, for fairness sake, what Joe has said. It'd be so much. It, it, they clearly found him the second time around. Why couldn't they have just included even 20 minutes of that in an episode? And then people would have, most people would have went, all right, okay, I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I really wish I knew at what point they had that information. I only found it myself watching Tiger King 2, but. I, I have wondered how long they knew. And, you know, the sheriff's department here was in Tiger King, too, saying, yeah, we have to overcome that. And it's like, well, apparently they knew for a whole lot longer. And yet they never came forward with that, never told me about that. The FBI never told me about that. And so it's like, I don't know. And how was it like, I, I can't imagine mentally, you know, it was easy to to live like this. You and your family, like you you must be a very incredibly strong person to still keep going and doing what you were doing and putting your name out there and talking to people about the issues and and I suppose as well disputing what was being said about you because if people were ringing me and calling me all names down the phone or writing about me on social media I don't know how I'd cope with that so like you, you must be incredibly strong but it must have been very very hard I think if people were saying the same things about you that they were saying about me, they were equally not true about you. It's <laughs> true about me. And so you'd be like, those people don't know what they're talking about. And you wouldn't take it personally because you know the only reason they're doing this is for the, you know, trying to distract the conversation away from the animal abuse and against mm -hmm. other things that they may have been involved in. And so it, I don't think it was ever as hard on me as it was on the people who love me. So if you can imagine the people in your life who love you and they hear that, they feel like they have to jump into your defense and they're always having to save your honor. And I think it's much, much harder on them than it ever was on me. But I also feel really guilty about the fact that they had to deal with all this because I wouldn't shut up. If I would have just said, you know what, I'm not going to take these guys on. I can't deal with them coming after me and my family this way, I'm just going to be quiet, then it would have been a whole lot easier for my family. And I did not make it easier for my family. <laughs>
But you know what? In a way, I think I, there's only two ways to go about it. And that is like, be really silent or be like, listen, you're not saying this crap about me. And you want to talk about issues. Here's the real issues. And I suppose, can you have it hanging over your head? People saying that stuff about you for years and not saying anything. I don't know. I think, you know, to go about it the way you did and to use the opportunity when people are talking about you to highlight other issues is at least... It's like, right, were you going to ask me a question about Tiger King? But you'll also ask me about this bill I'm trying to push. At least some good is coming with the bad. Yes. And it's been worth it. A lot of people ask me, was it worth it? Would you have done it all over again? And I would have, because as much as I don't think Tiger King got this bill passed, I do think it did wake up a lot of people, as you said, with you not even knowing that this whole cub petting thing was an issue. I know I would talk to Congress about it and they'd be like, that can't be legal. <laughs> it's, like, it's happening. It's happening here in America. They're like, no, that can't be happening. And now they've seen it with their own eyes and they're like, oh, wow, that does happen. Yeah, it's very easy to ignore things that you don't see on the daily. So like unless, you know, a lion, someone's pet lion killed them in their home, you're probably gonna, not going to hear about it on the news. So, and obviously this industry would be very undercover. People are not flaunting that they're doing it, you know, and people are not flaunting they've got links in their house or whatever. So it took highlighting it in the, even if it wasn't, you know, done the way you wanted to do it, took highlighting it for people to go, what the crap? You can have a lion in your house. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's going to be the next big challenge, too, because the reason that I think the reason we were able to get this bill passed this year is my husband, Howard Baskin, has really been the driving force behind this since 2011. And he has taken over every week running these uh, meetings that we have with our lobbyists and making sure everybody's staying on task. And so much of what he did in the past year was to gather law enforcement stories and law enforcement officers, people who were paramedics and firefighters and sheriff deputies, and have all of them telling their stories before Congress about, I went in on this domestic dispute situation and the guy had a cougar in the living room, or I went to a fire and a tiger came out and tore up my vehicle. And, you know, all of these kinds of crazy stories that they weren't hearing, they got to hear in person from law enforcement. So it became a very big public safety issue, which was part of the name on purpose to try and utilize those voices and the power of those organizations. I imagine that your goal and your dream would be that you don't have to have a sanctuary for like for this now that the bill has passed that, you know, 10 years down the line, there is no more of this going on and you can go, okay, I can just, you know, go work in Target or whatever it needs to be. (laughs) Well, my ultimate goal is to protect the big cats in the wild. And we already give about $100,000 a year to mostly small cat projects. Lots of people give to lions and tigers and cheetah. But the little cats, the black-footed cats and the Asian leopard cats and fishing cats and sand cats and palace cats, cats people have never seen or heard of, um, those are the cats that we try to help the most with what funding we can. But I would love to to donate. I'd love to dedicate all of my time to those kinds of issues because there shouldn't be a sanctuary that has to rescue cats from a horrible situation. We we shouldn't have to be doing this. And I can't wait until we can finally close our doors because there are no more big cats in captivity to rescue. 
Yeah. And like, I do understand people have questions about sanctuaries and zoos and people wonder what's the best deal for it. And I know a lot of zoos, you know, whatever anyone's opinions are, they do donate a lot to conservation and, and stuff like that, like you said with yourselves. Um, and But the goal would be that we would never be able to see a lion in real life for, you know, we'd never be able to see a tiger unless we lived in India and and at a very far distance and locked inside your house because, you know, but that would be the hope. Like it's, I think people are waking up a lot more, but they probably don't realize how much they could help in ways. Yeah. And I think COVID for all of the horrible things COVID brought us, it brought us a whole lot more advancement in virtual reality and augmented reality. And my ultimate goal is that zoos completely remake themselves instead of having cages full of predators pacing in circles and languishing in cages. What they have is they are already usually in very good locations, whole communities have built up around them, and that they turn those buildings into location-based experiences. So you go into the building and you put such a cat behind you. It's my, it's my little dog. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she wants to come up and sit in here with these cats. <laughs> Imagine you put on this headset and you're seeing a snow leopard chasing some doll sheep, you know, down the cliffs and you're feeling the cold air blowing on you and you can smell the yak stew from the monk's tent that's next door to you. And you have all of those sensations of really being there and you're seeing the cats in the wild in real time doing what they do in 360 degree amazingness. That's education. That's entertainment. And that's what it's going to take, I think, for people to want to put the money into protecting these animals in the wild where they belong. That's conservation. An animal in a cage is not conservation. That's not staving off extinction. It's not doing a thing for the planet. It, it's only when we save those habitats that we are able to save all of us. Yeah. And I think it's good to hear someone who is working for a sanctuary to turn around and say, this isn't the, you know, the goal, the end option. This isn't solution. This is just until we can fix our problem. You know, we hopefully we'll never need you and stuff like that. And like the bill obviously now being passed is huge, massive deal. So what is your next goal then? Well, our next goal is going to be enforcement. And um, I, I kind of touched on this a minute ago. The problem and the reason for the bill passing is that our law enforcement doesn't know where these cats are until somebody's running loose or somebody gets killed. And so what we are trying to figure out is where are all these big cats? And the first step we have taken is here in the United States, USDA governs any place that's open to the public. So all sanctuaries and zoos that are displaying cats, whether they're displaying them in person or over the internet or whatever, we have to be licensed by USDA. But what happens is a lot of those people, because the conditions there are so bad, USDA revokes their license, but they don't often take the animals. And so it, it baffles me that the reason they shut them down is because the conditions are so horrible and yet they make no provisions to rescue the animals and do anything. And so they end up being private owners. So we're going through the list of all of those that have lost their license to see, are they still in possession of big cats that need to be registered? The law, the new law requires that people register within 180 days so that we know whether or not they're breeding more or acquiring more cats. And then trying to find out where are the rest of these cats? 
just cats that people got, took home, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's too big and they can't handle it. Can we locate those people before that happens? Or do we have to wait the four or five years it usually takes for the cat to grow up into something they can't handle? Wow. So let's hope that, you know, people are more aware around them now that the bill has passed. They're like, hold on a second now. This rings a bell. There's a guy over here that maybe is doing something shifty and has to report them or that the government and the the law enforcement will actually follow through and do something about it. Now that it, I suppose it will take the first big case of somebody being charged and what sentence they get to really get this moving even more. Yeah, I think that is going to be critical. And two of the people that you saw in Tiger King are the only two that I know of that are left that do commercial cub petting on a large scale. And that's Doc Antle and Mario Tabro. And so Doc Antle has said that he can, he intends to continue doing cub handling, but he has not said whether he plans to do it with the cats who are illegal or if he's going to be doing it with bears or wolves or other wild animals. And so it'll be, a matter of time before we see whether or not he's going to flagrantly break the law or either of them are going to flagrantly break the law. And then to see what kind of um, battle is mounted. I think all too often our federal government doesn't want to bring these cases. And so they just ignore them. And so I think my next role is in using this notoriety from Tiger King to be a constant thorn in their side until they do something. Yeah. Be the pain in their ass. Just say, listen, you put me on blast on TV. I'm going to use this against you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I've loved chatting. <laughs> I've loved chatting to you, Carol. I love somebody else who's as passionate about animals and I'm sorry that they made you out to be something that you weren't sold down the line. But I think the work that you've done before and afterwards, I think you're proven that, you know, you really mean what you say as opposed to being someone who just wants to get famous and, you know, be known and be flashy like, you know, somebody else that was in the same show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, it's so lovely to speak to you. Well, listen, I will talk to you soon. I will tag, are you on social media? Because I was looking to see are you on Instagram. So if I tag you. It's funny, the minute our bill passed, I got off of all social media except for Facebook for myself personally. The sanctuary, of course, is big cat rescue everywhere. Perfect. So anyone who wants to follow can go follow the rescue. And they, if they go onto your website, there's loads of videos and stuff I know of what you're doing and how the animals are getting along as well. Thank you, Nicola. Okay, listen, lovely to speak to you and talk to you again soon. All right, bye-bye. Bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. That was Carol Baskin there, of course, of Tiger King fame, of uh, Big Cat Rescue and now of helping pass the Big Cat Safety Bill. So this is a huge big deal for animal activists around the world and especially in the United States. And hopefully they're going to be seen anywhere where this law isn't already in place around the world. We're going to see other countries following suit. It is brilliant. And for people like me who love animals, you know, you would and people just with any sort of common sense, really, let's be honest, you would think you can't raise it you were a cheetah in your sitting room come on like what are you thinking we're going around petting cubs there was a time where you know lads on their tinder profiles all had you know lying beside a drugged up tiger and i the thought of that now if anyone had that on their profile now delete 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 it is not a good look no girl is thinking well the way he lies beside that drugged up tiger is so sexy right now so please delete it 
we're into entering a new phase where we are actually a lot more aware of the abuses to animals whether it's down from dogs and cats or it's the big animals like this and it's people you know like Carol who I suppose had to go on TV be called all sorts of names or face all sorts of accusations and yet she's still using her notoriety to do some good work out there so more people could learn from that if they're going to be in the limelight put it to some good use if you want to follow Carol you know she's on Big Cat Rescue so you can go and find them on social media but you can also go to their website where they have like you know diaries and videos and all that kind of stuff and as you heard the main goal for her now is trying to help more animals in the wild if you are looking for some great charities maybe you want to help out with this kind of idea some great charities that do work in the you know in the wild trying to get animals back in the wild trying to keep them there um, here are just some that I know off the top of my head so firstly I'm going to mention the one that I mentioned to Carol I went to Nankuse it is a sanctuary in Namibia in Africa and basically they work with small animals they work with big ones so you could have anything from meerkats to lions cheetahs etc uh, there's lots of wild baboons because they're in Namibia they're considered pests so people are able to kill them so they rescue as many as they can um, and they uh, catch and release anything they can like so if there's a leopard or um, a cheetah who's been injured in the wild they, and someone let's say the member of the public finds it they'll dart so they'll tranquilize it and then it'll be captured the vets will work on it and then they'll be released onto, into like a, like a cordoned area but it completely hands off humans hands off uh, until they're fit to go out into the wild again and then they'll be re-released out into the wild so and then there's other cases where you know let's say it's a cheetah cub whose mother has been killed then they can't release it because you know the, the cheetah's too young they can, it has to be raised by humans because otherwise it'll die and therefore they'll look after them so um, they do amazing work and they're always looking for volunteers if that's anything you ever fancy uh, another great charity is the Jane Goodall Foundation so she works you probably have heard of her she works with chimpanzees all around the world amazing amazing charity um, and if you want to hear some of her good work I think she was on a podcast with Justin Long so if you listen to uh, his life is short one Jane Goodall was on there and she's talking about how she got involved with the chimpanzees and you know the difference over the years and how you can help and stuff like that um, if you love elephants like I do David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust they are one of the most successful uh, animal elephant rescues and rehab projects in the world uh, they're going since 1977 and basically they are helping animals stay in uh, the elephants stay in the wild they train them if they've been let's say they've been orphaned they train them to how to survive there and then they're re-released uh, WWF obviously do some great work um, they save the elephants um, who else can think of there is an orangutan oh, four paws sorry I've done some work with four paws before um, they, they kind of focus on like big cats uh, bears they do great stuff like they're always rescuing bears from the likes of Russia who are being kept in cages there to like dance in circuses and stuff so I would definitely suggest them International Animal Rescue is another one I'm just trying to remember the name of the orangutan one for you guys there's two I'm thinking at the top of my head there's Borneo Orangutan Survival then there's Saved Orangutan Foundation but it basically if you go into Instagram and put in Orangutan you'll see that there's a couple of charities that pop up and they do great work and a lot of them is training them to go back into the wild so like again same way as David Sheldrick just with Orangutans this time instead of elephants uh, so great work done by all of them and of course by Carol there so make sure you go and follow her work and maybe now you'll go and watch Target King 2 and go oh my god she's actually not a killer if that's what you had thought all along and if you thought of the ramblings of Joe Exotic was a fact I need to start thinking about what, what, what you're thinking about lads 
Anyway, another great episode, another great guest, and I've really enjoyed being here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tiz Yourself. If this is your first time, do scroll back and see if there's another episode that you might enjoy. If not, uh, you haven't rated and reviewed us, please do. But if not, just have a great day and look after yourselves and look after the lovely animals in your lives. There's some great charities out there doing some great work, but the best thing you can do is, if you can, is to foster or adopt a lovely rescue. Anyway, look after yourselves. Slong a fall. Chat soon. <laughs>